J.J. Inigbari. Walks it up, looking for Kelly. Touchdown! Can you believe it? And now, it's time for some Gamecock football. Never been more excitement about South Carolina football than there is right now. I've heard all the stories of the great George Rogers out back in 1980. He made the whole nation holler. And I've seen that photograph of young Steve Tannehill up in Old Dust Valley signing his name on the field. Yeah, and I love the year 2001 if it wins Bryce Rock. Can I say I'm just a big old car? Well, you know I come from a long line of cops just like me who never stop believing despite our history. All right, folks. <laughs> Episode number uh, 69. Nice. Of Inside the Game Cox, the show. Go ahead and laugh. I don't know. I love that movie, Billy Madison. You know, it's like he sits there, turn to page 69, and he goes, 69. <laughs> Those kids just look at him like, oh my God. <laughs> it is episode 69 here on Inside the Game Costume Show. It's Friday, so that means we do predictions instead of a poll. I gave my prediction. I've been doing my prediction, Phil, on the Spurs Up show on Thursday just to get it out of the way. Yeah. Throw, throw a bone to that audience. I, I picked 49 21 game. Uh, Excuse me, volunteers. Um, I'll tell you why. Here's how I see this played out in all honesty. Just to be an honest, like I think Tennessee's gonna get up. Like, I, 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 so, so here's my thing. I, I think Tennessee's defense is good for giving up maybe a big, given the state of Carolina's offense, a big play uh, early. I think they'll get up fourteen now, fourteen seven. I think we sit there in the third quarter. It's forty nine seven, and the game will score a couple of uh, garbage touchdowns and it'll be 49 21 and the narrative will be well held them held them under 50 and scored three touchdowns <laughs> the moral victory press conference yeah, I, hope <laughs> I hope not that's my gut uh, feeling about it though so uh who knows what will happen tomorrow night kickoff is at 7 p.m eastern time espn kirk herb street chris fowler <clears throat> on the call which uh you know, the Chris Fowler excited voice. You know, I can just hear, and the Bulls are going to score a touchdown. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Anyway, <laughs> SEC Nation live from the horseshoe starting tonight. Uh, a lot of positive things, uh, except, you know, the opponent in the matchup. So we'll see uh, sort of what happens. But um, it is Prediction Friday right here 
uh, on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Certainly want to appreciate all of our great guests from coming on. If you didn't catch the Josh Pate segment on Wednesday, do it. The Jamie Bradford segment, the West Rucker segment yesterday was was tight. Chris Phillips always uh, does an outstanding job. The Whittle Talk basketball. Speaking of basketball, uh, shout out shout out to Watkins from the women's team that got a dunk against Clemson last night. No doubt, no doubt. Was, Love to see the uh, the her her teammates' reaction to that too was awesome. It was man. Yeah, it the was. ladies were just so happy for her. it. Was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that was that was pretty cool. I think uh, they said it's the first dunk in the history of South Carolina women's basketball. So uh, you know, and a big win, of course, over the Tigers, thirteenth straight for the Dawn. Uh, I guess it started maybe started before Dawn Staley, thirteenth straight for the Gamecock women uh, <clears throat> over Clemson, which is always good. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. Is it all Dawn? How long's Dawn been? Dawn's been here like 13 years, right? I don't know. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was 08, 09 when she came in. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, So, anyway, 13 in a row against Clemson and women's basketball. And uh, I guess that's a good streak. Uh, The men. Disappointing showing. Uh, It's early, but it – first and foremost – uh, Chris Phillips nailed it yesterday. I, I was kind of – I hadn't really dug into Colorado State. Uh, I knew Nico Medved's a heck of a basketball coach. Um, and, uh, boy, it showed last night. I, I, I thought last year as a six seed they'd knock out Michigan. Uh, but turn, Michigan went a long way. Michigan beat them. Actually, I had I, – it was the – you know, every March Madness, uh, me and the fiancé, we go hit the watering hole and play, you know, Play on, play the games, and uh, have a blast, right? But we, uh, that was the first game last year. I remember we were sitting there watching it, and I think I had Colorado State, and they lost. So I didn't really look in to see how many players they had coming back, who they had coming in, whatever. Uh, but that looked like an NCAA tournament team last night. The game guys looked like a team that'd be lucky to win ten games. Um, I think Gigi Jackson is right in saying he needs the ball, um, and uh, I think that they they got to start, you know giving it to him more, uh, you know, you cut it to 14 after being down 21, started kind of hot in the second half and then yeah, it's just uh, defense, big problem. I mean, they couldn't guard them. I mean, they couldn't mm-hmm. stop them. Announcers were sitting saying they're getting anything they want. I thought that was a little bit of overkill yeah, on the yeah. part of the announcer, but uh, they're getting anything they want, you know, and it's like the first half and I'm like, well, where are the adjustments? Uh, and they never adjusted on defense. So 85-53 Gamecocks, I think, play Davidson tonight in the losers bracket. <laughs> losers. Second you know, the losers bracket. Losers bracket. Um, and so, yeah, so the Davidson Wildcats, certainly Gamecocks and Davidson have played uh, a lot a lot through the years, uh, especially when I was younger. Um, the last time may have been when Steph Curry came in for the NIT and Darren Horn's first year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. There may be a game in there I'm missing or something, but Davidson's never an easy out, folks. Never an easy out. So uh, Gamecocks will try to get back up tomorrow or today, and then if not, I mean, uh, well, win or lose, there'll be another game on Sunday. You hope you're not in that seventh place game. The double losers bracket. <laughs> this is like the, uh, I don't know, man. It's like a, it, that isn't even like an appetizer for a day of basketball. That's like nuts on a bar. Like that bowl of nuts that, that you have that people just have sitting out there. I never determined age and yeah, I never I never touch those, man. You know the no. cashews and all that. I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, sir. That's a that's a bacterial infection waiting to happen. 
Um, so, so you don't want to, you don't want to, you want to avoid the bacterial infection game, right? If at all possible. Nana Sports Chat Box, as always, is rocking and rolling. Brian says, "Morning, fellas. It's my day off. I just scooped up some Bojangles breakfast for the fam. Let's do this. Did you get the potato rounds? Um, or Cajun fillet biscuit." Mm. Mm. Potato rounds are the most interesting thing ever because I think they're delicious, Phil. But if you order them on an off time, you know, so so, so they have to cook them and you'll get them, right? And they're, they're good-sized hash browns, right? They're not like the little tiny ones you get at Hardee's or wherever. They taste delicious. But you'll get them and two things happen. They're like lava hot on the outside, so you're dealing with third-degree burns on your mouth. Then you get to the middle and it's like a little ice potato ice, like 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 a, a, an icy core and you're like ah oh, god i shouldn't have done that y'all know what i'm talking about right I hope oh yeah for sure yeah yeah either that or they're all either that or they've been sitting there for a while and they're mush you know uh, yeah yeah under that heat lamp right or they have two under the heat lamp and then they cook too, and you get four completely different experiences. Yeah, yeah that's right. Them. Yeah, you get a mismatch. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> uh, says says morning guys. Forty four thirty four balls. Sumter, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I think that would turn. Well, you know, I would feel a lot better about things if that were the end result. Yeah. Sure. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Craiger says happy Friday because it won't be a happy Saturday. I'm just going to celebrate it being a football Saturday because we only have one. We have, well, I like championship weekend too, but we got two more basically after this. Yeah. Um, and I think South Carolina just matchup wise. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to win. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, Clemson, they match up better with Clemson than Tennessee. Cause I don't think, I, I don't think Clemson, I'm not going to say Clemson's not as good as Tennessee, like from a talent standpoint but they haven't played as well as Tennessee has this year. Right. Mm. Uh, at any point, really, really. I mean, I think Clemson's had some really good games they've played and won, but they haven't played like Tennessee. Now, Ch- now last year, though, I'll caution you, too, about Clemson. They didn't play like they played against Carolina until they played Carolina. <laughs> or Wake. Wake and Carolina. That, that oh, was yeah, a, they, yeah, that was a they, good game there. Yeah. They freaking peaked, that, like, those last two games last year. Uh, and the Gamecocks were completely outcoached by Brentville. I mean, there was no – Brent Venables versus Marcus Satterfield was probably the biggest mismatch. I mean, yeah, um, that's <laughs> I've seen. I mean, Gamecocks didn't even cross the fifty. Uh, Craiger says fifty-five seventeen vols. Uh, by the way, Tony Morell on the BigSport.com says fifty-nine seventeen vols. And people were talking today. Tony's done keys to victory for probably twenty years. That's probably the largest number of points he's picked an opposing team to score against the Gamecocks. Carolina Empire says it's about to be a rough two weeks, 63 to six balls. Yeah. That would probably be, let's see, the worst home loss in SEC play, if I'm not mistaken, is 63 to seven uh, against Spurrier's Gators in 1990. Yeah. It was He calls it the, the windy cold night. I was actually at that game. Um, I was not a student at Carolina at the time, but I had a student ticket that I had to go buy a ticket because they wouldn't let me in. It's a long story. But, uh, yeah, 63-7. to seven. So that would set a record, Empire. Tiffany says, hola, hola, Tiffany. Uh, 76 says, them Bojangles chicken biscuits, though. Yeah, we all agree on that. Craiger says, hate feeling like this. Um, oh, Jeff Fowler. <clears throat> Here we go. Yeah, this is something mm. that's interesting. Uh, morning, gents. Y'all think we'll see Lloyd again this year? Go Cox and Semper Fi. What do we say to that? Right. Thank you for your service, Jafaller. And um, 
the answer to that question is I think it's up in the air. Yeah. Based on what I've been hearing. Um, which is unfortunate. I, I don't really understand all the ins and outs of the situation, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, they need him. And what didn't make a whole lot of sense last week is like, well, we thought he was going to play and then he didn't because he practiced and went full speed and then couldn't do it. All right. So, so, so let's back up. Why don't, if you know, he's not going to be able to, if this is an injury where he only can do so much before it kicks back in, my question would be, why not play him? Get as in the game instead of practice. Get as much out of him as you can, and then when he can't go, he can't go. Yeah. Uh, and, and plan it's called game planning, but you know who knows. Uh, Christian Bill Smith, I think, probably is done for the year. I don't think we'll see Christian Bill Smith, and that's a shame because that guy transferred in from Wake, where he's the leading rusher. And uh, I'm gonna tell you this right now: next time, uh, next time someone from Wake is looking to transfer to South Carolina. I think that's going to be brought up by that staff. Look, and, and and look, it's not Carolina's fault that Bill Smith got hurt, right? Uh, but it, it has to still be disappointing when you're a transfer like that and you're you're kind of looking to up your stock, uh, and then it doesn't happen. Rodney says yes. Adam says UT's going to hang seventy. Tristan says here we go. Uh, Nathan Crocker says episode sixty nine wounded animal game. <laughs> hey, maybe. That'll be the time. Maybe I can do the title. Crager says Lloyd is piecing out. Uh, 76 says Lloyd comes back for Clemson, runs for 200. Hey, people can dream. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I, really I hope I hope he comes back. I hope he mm-hmm. comes back. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's very ominous right now. Uh, Gumshoe story, 60 to 14. We score all 14 in the fourth quarter. Offensive explosion that is good enough for Beamer to retain sat. Don't don't give me nightmares, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. That's not going to do it. <laughs> Jared says, "Anyone planning on attending the bowl game?" I think it, it kind of, for me, it kind of depends on when it is. If it's the Vegas Bowl, I'm probably going to try to make every effort to be there, even if I have to like fly out on a Friday and fly back on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, just cuz I've always wanted to see a game in that stadium. A fiance and I have been talking about going to Vegas for a long time. The pandemic hit, we never did. Uh, we were going to go to the Bears-Raiders game out there. But, man, uh, first year in that new stadium with the Raiders and Bears fans travel. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know this. 700 just to get in per ticket. Man. 700. And it was it largely – didn't matter. <laughs> largely because of the beef sandwich heads heading from Chicago. Man, beef, Vegas, beer, Bears. Mm-hmm. Beef, Vegas, beer, Bears. <laughs> um, Somebody's mantra up your way, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Craiger makes a good point. He's like, we ate all summer and so excited, and then we get beaten over the head with a Satterfield sledgehammer. Yeah, and, and look, in spite of him, there's been some decent moments this year. I don't, you know, I don't think you take Kentucky and A and M off the board. <laughs> uh, you know, you just just like Florida and Auburn last year. You're not going to take off the board. But it is disappointing, and it's it's super disappointing when it's a situation where the head coach doubled down, and it, it blew up in his face. Yeah. And to me, uh, whereas you know Beamer deserves a chance, I think to fix this, uh, I think it just needs to be a lesson learned. He's not the only person that's hired a offensive coach or defensive coach that hasn't worked out that he needed to get rid of. I mean that that's pretty common. But the fact that they wasted this season, kind of, we'll all look back on it and go, look at the players they had on that offense. 
Yeah. Bradford was talking about it Wednesday. Look at the players add on that offense, and you know, there we go. Uh, B. Petrina, happy Friday, fellas. With the OC more likely opening, I will literally take anyone besides Sat at this point. But I want to hire what's best for South Carolina. Browse with a hot was a hot name for a while, but without KJ, they look pretty bad. And he thought of that. No, I don't. Because look, you got to look at who's behind KJ at Arkansas, and and a lot of people are. I even think Arkansas fans are a little misguided about this. Uh, Kendall Browse offense is not get a big quarterback and run him. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's offense is that way. You know, think about Gus Malzahn uh, and, you know, he had Cam Newton or whatever, but then he was just as effective with a Nick Marshall. Uh, They had some moments with Jared Stidham that were pretty good. Uh, You know, uh, and Bryles' offense is even more versatile than Gus's because he doesn't require a running quarterback. The problem is behind Jefferson, who they set up their whole offense around this year. So you have to think about this too. Um, year after year in the Bryles system, you, you would adjust and morph and mismatch and all that. And uh, it was based around running it with Rocket Sanders, um, you know, running and throwing with Jefferson. Uh, and, and then – and we talked to Trey Biddy about this earlier in the year. They're not super fired up about their receiver. Hasselwood's had a good year. The other transfer, Warren Thompson, who they're counting on, has already left the football team, right? Uh, they don't, and they lost Burks and all those other guys at receiver. So when, when you put in Malik Hornsby, uh, yeah, he can run better than just about anybody, but but the, the pass almost gets taken away so people can key on him, okay? because he's not a great passer. Uh, and then Cade Fortin, their other backup, came in from South Florida. It's a lot like uh, maybe like a Chris Smelly type guy, I would say. Um, so that's dramatically different, and, and you don't have one guy you can go to all the time, plus you're limited at receiver. So it's basically Rocket Sanders, right, when, when you don't have K.J. out there this year. You know, I look back on his other offenses, and, and, and that's what you have to do. It's the body of work. Uh, now, Sam Pittman may be sitting there going, you know, well, we should be able to do this or whatever. And, and, and you know, he's a first-time head coach as well. He may not like it. He's an old offensive line guy, probably wants to run the ball. Uh, Sam Pittman, for the most part, uh, during his career as an assistant, w- was with guys like uh, whoever the O's, I for Shoop, the offensive coordinator at North Carolina under Butch Davis. Uh, he was with uh, Jer- Jim Chaney a lot. Uh, at Arkansas and out uh, over Georgia, um, you know, Pittman, uh, ground and pound with Belima. So maybe that's kind of more in his DNA than something like this. I say this, best of luck to them if that's what they want to do. <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's what Brett Belima, Brett Belima got fired, man. And Arkansas has been better on offense since Browse got there than at any point. I, could, I mean, you know, even after the Chad, you know, the, the great Chad Morris debacle. Right. So if, if they want to let go of Kendall Browse and South Carolina wants to hire him, great. You know, I'm not uh I, I think that guy's pretty solid. Yeah, um and they've been a lot more competitive in their games than we have in ours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, and, and that's the thing. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the hogs uh and browse and stuff moving forward. But uh I'm not I'm not gonna sit there and judge the guy. <laughs> on what's been happening. Because I guarantee you, if Jefferson had not gotten hurt, Arkansas would be sitting in a lot better position than five and five. Um, but when he's hurt, you know, he's hurt, you know. And you, we can talk about the wisdom of running your quarterback all that much like they do. But um, 
you know, if he's built like a tight end, he should be able to handle it, I guess. Roddy says 73-23. Gosh. Uh, Tiffany goes um, 70, 70 will be dropped. Yeah. And I'm not even sure we get, sure get to 14. Um, 76 says, tonight is my night, giving Laura Rutledge the ring. Hey, you got to shoot your shot, 76. <laughs> well, she used to be Laura McKeeman. Uh, so the, the, the Rutledge is a good uh, uh, the Rutledge is a good key there, 76. But best of luck to you, sir. Uh, I actually met Laura, now Rutledge McKeeman. Uh, she, she, when she was in college, she did recruiting for Gator Country, I guess. Met her at... Um, a camp in Gainesville. Really nice person. Really nice person. Uh, John says, morning crew from the Chili Pack Northwest. Am I just wrong to hope that we are competitive and beat the line? I'm just hoping we don't get embarrassed. I, look, it, it, it's – some people are like, well, you shouldn't just want to keep it close. Um, Mike Leach has a rant on YouTube that's not safe for work, but he goes, F keeping it close. We lost the game to the University of Texas. Um, and so that always goes in my mind when we're keeping it close. I, I do think there are uh, ancillary reasons, uh, external reasons why it would be a good idea to not get blown out. Uh, and that's the, the media attention on this game. Um, you know, South Carolina, it's sad that everybody picked this game to come to, right? Because <laughs> yeah. Tennessee's so good. But I'll tell you this, I, uh, uh, you keep it close. That's just one more back from commercial break where they do the, the, the high shot and the lights are going nuts and the crowd's going nuts and, you know, recruits from around the country are sitting there going, man, that looks like an awesome place to go play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no. so I, th- I think, I think, I think there's something to be said for it. Uh, do I think that needs to change anything in terms of the direction of this program that Shane Beamer needs to go after the season? No. no. I also say this heading into the next game, if the team plays a competitive game and loses, you know, that's going to give them what's called confidence going up into Death Valley or Memorial Stadium. I'll call it Memorial Stadium. So does Phil. That's what I call it, yeah. Memorial <laughs> Stadium. Uh, the following weekend for a noon kickoff. You know, that game's not going to be at night. So, they're, you know, they're going to be howling at you, but they're not going to be howling at you as bad as normal. Um Adam says, let's not overreact to men's basketball. Well, those were expected to happen this season. Yeah, and it's early. Um, you know, I, I think some of the uh, concern was maybe about Gigi Jackson, the body language, and, and just getting blown out. And I was sitting there thinking, uh, I think Gamecock fans and all men's sports are tired of, like, these blowout games. Yeah. Because you know, getting blown out in football, they get blown out in men's basketball, uh, they got blown out in baseball a bunch. You know, that kind of things. Rick says, get in line 76. <laughs> um, and Adam says, Colorado State's a good team. Uh, Jared says, we tend to make pedestrian defenses look good. Anyone think we score, score below 20? Jared, th- and I'll say this is not a pedestrian defense. If you look at the – like what's this, we're, what, this isn't like Florida, okay? I watched Florida this year. They couldn't stop a lot. They couldn't stop anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's amazingly good against stopping the run. And see, I think, uh, you know, out of Sat's genius box, the idea is going to be, even without Lloyd, uh, let's run the football anyway, you know. And Tennessee's going to say, no, you're not doing that. Because what they do is they don't care if they give up a big play in the pass game. They're coming after your quarterback. They're going to get sacks. They're going to try to force turnovers, and they're going to not let you run the ball. That's what their game plan is. And that's what their game plan will be against Carolina. So, 
unless the you know Doctor Evil can come up with like one million pass plays, you know, I I, yeah. I don't uh, that'll down just, the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it just I don't know. I, I have zero confidence in Satterfield being able to put up a game plan that's going to be anywhere close to what you know be able to. No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what have we what have we seen? We got nothing to go on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, yeah that, and you're right, JC. I mean, that defense is like they're coming after you. They don't. They can be aggressive because you know, hey, if you go over the top on them, they'll go over the top on you twice. <laughs> <laughs> I know they just want the ball back, uh, and it's it's a good. I think. Hey, look, man, Tennessee was sort of on the you know needing to be sh- shocked back to life a little bit. I mean, uh, I think with Jeremy Pruitt that you sort of got what you got with Must, probably a little worse than what you got with Muschamp. It, it had been had Kirby Smart walked into a place that didn't know how to win and played you know man ball you know <laughs> uh, for his first three years. Um, you know, or that didn't have the players Georgia did, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Some of these saving guys, they just, you know, they so people will learn their lesson one day. They, they'll be like, All right, I'm gonna hire you, but you're gonna do this on offense <laughs> and you're gonna put points on the board. Well, Hypo, what he I think what he looked at was like, Hey, you know, it can't really get any worse around here. Um, let's just be entertaining, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like gladiator. Yes, yeah. I was about to say. Like, like, Josh Heupel, gladiator. Are you not yeah. entertained? That was Heupel uh, last year, and now he's just sitting back smoking cigars. Yeah. You know, it's like, God dang. It, it's crazy. Uh, Clint says bow rounds are good. Uh, Beatty I know, gets, that's where we met each other. Clint was in Bojangles. Dang. <laughs> I gotta, you got to love it. Uh, Yes. Uh, Brian says, that's exactly my order. I added, except I added pimento cheese to the cage of flight. Isn't that the Mike Yuva? The Yuva there? I think Yuva does have a pimento cheese. I'm not a big pimento cheese. I'm a chicken sandwich fan. That's not a, that's too rich. I mean, I love pimento cheese. I love the Cajun filet. I love biscuits, but I, I, that combo, I just, I've never, to me, I think I'd eat half of it and be like, I can't eat any more of this, even though it's delicious. Yeah. It's like eating bread pudding. You're eating bread pudding. It's like really good, but you can only eat two. And you're like, oh, God, I feel like blubber, blubber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Jim Gaffigan one time was talking about whales. Uh, how would you like to be a whale? He's like, because you got blubber and a blowhole. <laughs> what a creature. <laughs> blubber and a blowhole. Blowhole. Uh, Arthur Bear says, can you, someone in the media ask that this, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I'd love for somebody to ask him that question. I could only imagine what sort of convoluted answer you'd get to it though. <laughs> uh, I am crazy. Xavier has, Xavier's got the featured, uh, yeah. uh, mailbag question today. I wish everyone would quit with the highest storyline. It's not the current team or fans fault. He's not playing for us. I kind of, you know, there's something called reverse psychology here at play because when players tend to focus on or teams tend to focus on blowing out the team, settling scores, you know, whatever, you name it, right? Sometimes they, like, join the tries-too-hard posse and they make mistakes. In other words, they drop passes. They don't run good routes. They're, they're, fo- they're not focused on playing. People won't know why Nick Saban's such a good coach and, and what the process is. The process is focus on playing the next play. Don't get attached to outcomes. Do your dang job and things will work out. That's true. It's a good way to live life, too. Uh, so, to me, if you're looking at, uh, you know, some kind of 
Gamecock positive storyline there. Uh, let let Jalen Hyatt sit there and bask in his homecoming, all he wants. Put a lot of pressure on himself to perform in front of the home crowd to prove that he deserved the the uh, the, the the offer from the Gamecocks. You know, uh, now he may catch eighteen passes for two hundred and fifty yards tomorrow night, but. Uh, I, I don't mind that, Xavier. And I know I, I know where you're coming from. It's not Beamer's fault that they didn't offer him. Um, you know, it, that person's working at – all those people are working at Georgia now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so blame the dogs. Woo. <laughs> um, Even then, I don't think – you know, Tennessee's got so much riding on this that I, I don't think they're going to force that. You know, I, I think if Jalen Hyatt has a big old day, it's just going to be – a natural flow of Tennessee football. Yeah. And Lady Breeze says, I didn't release a breakdown this week, but I've seen a lot of comments. We got pushed around the line of scrimmage. That was not even close to true. The schemes were awful on both sides. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the offensive line, I mean, you can't block seven with five and then run it. Um, defensive line, you know, I, 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 I I mean, they attacked the edge so much. I, I didn't think the D-line played, got pushed around. I thought their offensive line did make good blocks at times on different players. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably true. I, mean, I, I didn't think the game plan was worth a doo-doo on either side. Uh, Realistic Joel chimes in from Louisville. 69-6 Vols. Massive staff changes are coming. Sonder, 56-10. They're going to run it up for style points. You'd think that, but see, when you're worried about running it up for style points, right? You know, uh, John says, my prediction, Shane hears the give Pete the sheep, hashtag mantra, and we win 26-23. Clint says, not advocating for a change, but you think Chris Hampton could be our next DC whenever the time comes? I don't know what direction Beamer would go, but I'm going to tell you this. Uh, and I've harped on this all year when I'm talking about Travian Robertson. Mm. Tulane, I mean, to put a good defense together at Tulane and in that league, and, and, and I say that knowing they gave up 38 to UCF and, and the Gus Buzz. But uh, you know, I, I uh you know, I, I he'd be one of my top candidates. I mean, just because of what he can do. 63-10 Tennessee never gonna happen, says it could be worse. What about Scott Frost for OC? Uh as an OC, Scott Frost is the guy that works for the guy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they work for Chip Kelly and, and uh, Mark Helfrich, which is fine, but uh, I didn't see anything at Nebraska that would tell me I need to give him the keys to this uh, this automobile here um, and all that. And uh, BJ says, "Did you see the Lady Gamecock dunk on Clemson in the game last night?" Yeah, I, I saw it on social media. Did not see it live. Uh, so that is the Nana Sports chat box. We're going to get to more here in a second from you guys. I'm going to scroll down a little bit. If I miss something that you guys definitely want me to get to, just repost it. We'll we'll do it. And Gumshoe Stories, yes. He he did not say give me credit for the fake punt. He said they asked him about why that play call happened. He's like, oh, I was setting up the fake punt. And he acted like him and Beamer Beamer did it. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. Um, Oh, one thing Craig said, no one has responded to why more teams don't try to do what Tennessee's doing. We have a quarterback with a big enough arm and the receivers to spread defenses sideline to sideline and stack receivers. Yeah, this system would – I'd be honest to God if you took Carolina's players and put them with uh, Heupel and you took Heupel's players and put them at Carolina, number one, 
and I'm talking the whole shebang, Marshawn, Bill Smith, all those guys, people that have gotten hurt or whatever. Um, I don't know that Carolina wouldn't be more dominant. Right. Uh, now, 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 let me, let me back up because I don't think Spencer Rattlers is accurate as hooker, um, you know, all the time. So maybe not, but I, I trust me, I, I think it would be pretty, it would be probably the same story. And I think it would be a whole heck of a lot worse here um, because Sat would be running Jabari small and right. And those, mm-hmm. uh, those back, they don't have a back that's over like two ten. Uh, right in the teeth of defenses. <laughs> Shake my head. And would continue to do so. <laughs> Shake my head. Lance says, what up, killers? Uh, yeah, it just it makes my day every time Lance comes in. It's like, what up, killers? What up? <laughs> so, uh, anyway. All right. We'll be back right here. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, predictions. Oh, by the way, programming note. We're cutting it at eleven uh, at one fifty five today, or sorry, twelve fifty five today, because I have a doctor's a telehealth appointment right mm-hmm. at noon that I have to get to. So anyway, um, just that, I meant to say that top of the show, but thankfully I said it first break. All right, inside the Gamecast, the show rolls on after this. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks.
Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. He's J.C. Sherbert. I'm Phil Molinax. The first hour of the show is brought to you by the Sear, Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. She's right out of Spartanburg. Give Cindy a call for your upstate residential real estate needs. 864-414-5271. Right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue, close to the new way in Spartanburg. There you go. Just look at the weather forecast. <laughs> you and me both, Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Southwest Southwest used to have a flight direct from Midway to GSP. Dude, I'd hop on that bad boy and be there by happy hour. Nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I'd hit an airport up for that, Phil, to go the yeah. new way with, with you and the missus. Oh, that'd be great. The jukebox, the, 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 the smell of burgers on the grill, the grease, and... <laughs> Whatever happens on that back deck. Um, Lance says, I'm going to be drunk and annoyingly loud. And if we win, we rush in that field. <laughs> Love Lance. Lance is like, win or lose, we booze. <laughs> Gregor says, Z4 Rose, a small batch or Weller. Um, Jessica's Mullen or Johnson, who y'all thinks the next OC? Johnson, like Brian Johnson? Uh, Dan's old OC. He, he I don't think he's leaving the he's not leaving the Philadelphia Eagles to come to South Carolina. Um Dan Mullen would be intriguing. Uh the question is what do you want to do it? I, you know, I, I, you're talking about an OC that uh coached uh, two national championship teams and um coached Dak Prescott, coached uh Alex Smith had an undefeated team at Utah under Urban Meyer. And, uh, you know, everybody gave Urban all the credit for the spread option or whatever. Uh, and they for, It was Dan Mullen <laughs> that did that. So he kind of invented an offense that really set a lot of trends. He's <laughs> coached in the league a lot. I Shoot, have him call plays and run the offense, I wouldn't care. Um, Lance is McLovin. What up, Killis? McLovin. 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 Um, Eric says likely transfers and coaches out. Well, I, I coaches out. I mean, 
You know, well, it starts right on that top of the offense. <laughs> top of the offense and go yeah. from there. I mean, you know, somebody asked me in our I was only mailed by question if now's the time to fire Greg Atkins um, because of his health problems. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Um, and I'll answer that here in a second. Uh, you know, as far as transfers go, to be determined. I think a lot, a lot depends on uh, Beamer and what he does. Lance says, I'm all the only one that wants to see DK destroy the Tennessee playoff hopes. Yeah, man, I just – I don't know that you guys are going to get your wish on that one, you know. Yeah. I'd play him more. I, I mean, I would at, qu- at quarterback and leave him in, you know, for more than just a play or two. But Because uh, yeah, these last two games of the year, what do you got to lose games? <laughs> yeah. You know, why not throw the kitchen sink at it? Hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 76 says, if you had to choose a big if, would you choose to fire Satterfield or beat Clemson and have to keep him? Both. He's gone. <laughs> I, my, my answer is both. Yeah. Fire Satterfield and beat Clemson. That sounds yes, that, that Beautiful. That, that's, that would be the double whammy. Whammy. But uh, I uh, I can't believe I even said this. I mean, South Carolina's lost to Clemson how many times in a row? Uh, everybody's kind of sick of it. Um, it would be great to win, but I think your chances of winning consistently uh, against this schedule uh, and against Clemson every year when he's the offensive coordinator, it decreases. And, and what's scary about it is that there's no building. Like, there's no like, – and this is probably the most damning thing, right? You have a good game on offense, and you start to feel like, well, you know, he's getting there or whatever. And then there, there's a reversion that takes place right back to the same old BS. And fundamentally, when you listen to him talk – when he answers questions about the offense, just like he talked about, like, I want to, I want to run 58 plays. <laughs> no college offenses aren't, you know, that's, that's not fun. Nobody wants 58 no. freaking plays. 58. Uh, you know, so I, uh, I just, um, I mean, he, you know, you just got, basically the offense just got shut out by a bad defense, you know, um, and, and this is after you, you had a you know pretty good second half at Kentucky. I mean, they didn't build from Kentucky um, to Texas A and M. I don't know that they really built on uh, anything because uh, the offense against A and M uh, got set up pretty good position. They got a you know seven points off a kickoff, uh, a touchdown from a turnover, and a field goal from a block punt. But um, do they have a block punt? No, field goal from an interception. Or, yeah. The interception, yeah, yeah. So, so they got gifted seventeen. So they basically put what thirteen on the board. Thirteen, two, tu- two touchdown, two touchdown drives in that game mm-hmm. in the second half. They missed that one extra point, but uh, yeah. So, you know, Kentucky they were gifted some in the first half, but they only had seven points. They actually, the offense actually scored seventeen in the second half and had two six two hundred sixty six yards. So they reverted. Even though they won the AM game, they reverted on offense and then hit the bottom against Missouri. I mean, it was, it was awful, you know. And you have a bad offensive coordinator when your best running back goes down and you can't overcome it. I mean, you got a million plays, you know, all that, but take, take go, go get into the range where, hey, we don't have a running. Where's the we don't have a running back collection? Right. <laughs> Where's, where's the volume for running backs hurt? And we need you to know. yeah come up with some creativity in a run game. Yeah, 
Especially um, when you have a, oh, I don't know, a, a real mobile guy who has quarterback experience for you and, you know, won a couple games. <laughs> Gamecock fan says, I just hope we can mix it up and keep Tennessee off guard where they cannot figure out our place. <laughs> Game guy fan, I, I would love it if that happened, man. Don't get me wrong. Me too, man. Me too. But the ch- chances of that, slim. Um, you know, Adam says, I don't recall us as having two bad offensive showings in a row. But that said, I still expect us to lose by a lot. Let me think. Two bad offensive showings in a row. I can think. Yeah, no, the whole first part of the year last year before Florida was bad. But uh, if you're talking about this season, um, yeah, they bounced back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the opener in the second game, I mean, you know, we didn't really have a good offensive showing until we were desperately down. down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. RB says, I like the big names mentioned, like everyone else, but I'm wondering if we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. Um. Uh, if you're focused on names, yes. And that's a problem around here. And it's because, you know, Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier took this job and and Frank McGuire took the basketball job at some point, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, When really the model for a successful head coach at South Carolina is Ray Tanner, who, you know, was at NC State, sure. And he was winning, but uh, he, he hadn't been to Omaha at all before he came here and all that. So so that's the model that all the athletic programs should follow. But because there's been these big name hires, people want to name, name, name. Uh, and that's fine. I, I'd focus on production. Uh, Shane's MO seems to be going after up and comers. And I see that continuing. Uh, that's not really true. If you think about last year, um, prior to the staff kind of shuffling and getting set, I mean, he tried to hire Zach Harnett from Mississippi State. That's a sitting power five defensive coordinator. It's one of the best in the country, according to some. Uh, he tried to hire Derek Mason, who was the head coach at Vanderbilt. That's a big name. He kept Mike Bobo, who had been a head coach before, one of the best mm-hmm. offensive coordinators considered in the SEC. Um, he kept Tracy Rocker. That was a big name. Uh, you know, he, he, it's not like he's tried, he's gone out and just like said, well, we just need to hire these guys that we can kind of develop and grow with the program uh, at all. You know, Clayton White was a good hire, I thought, because it's hard to stop people at Western Kentucky because you don't have access to a bunch of defensive talent. Plus, it's an offensive school where most of the guys that say, hey, I'm going to give Western Kentucky a chance because I want to go play that, they're on that side of the ball. Uh, the state of Kentucky has very little defensive talent in it. Uh, so you have to go all over the place and get guys, and, and you just try to make it work. Um, so, and, and that was based on his White's track record, right? Uh, and I think that's what's important with this hire, RB. No more experiments. No more, hey, let's promote BMAC or oh, and give him some help and let him do it, or or, or no, or let's go hire the guy that worked for the guy, you know, like Kurt Roper, or you know, this guy's been in the NFL for a year, getting a cup of coffee. He knows his stuff. Let's get him down here. Uh, and try to run this thing. It needs to be somebody at some level of football, be it Power 5, Group of 5, FCS, I don't care, that every year, dude, they have a great offense. The film is the resume, okay? It's not It's not the interview. The film is the resume. Interviews are important because you have to make sure you can get along with the guy and you click and all that, and you're on the same page philosophically. But the chalkboard and all that means jack squat, 
Okay. It's what you've done on the field that this, this, and some hires, maybe you go in another direction. Not, this one's too important to just say, uh, and as Josh Pate says, he, th- he says, he thinks there's a lot of people that are readily available that will be willing to take the, the offensive corner job that are good. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing there. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't agree at all that that's Shane's MO. When you look at like who he's actually, you know, gone after and uh, tried to hire. Uh, and number two, I don't think a name means anything. If this guy, I mean, you know, everybody loves, everybody's obsessed with Phil Longo, the North Carolina OC. This dude was at Sam Houston State when Hugh Freeze hired him at, at Ole Miss. Sam Houston State. And he, he got rid of Dan Werner, who had how many years of college power five coaching experience? Who ended up at Carolina? Got rid of Dan Werner uh, to hire the guy from Sam Houston State. Now, most of you would go nuts if that happened because you'd think that there was some magical, mystical connection uh, to, to why this guy's not that good because he's at FCS. Some of your best coaches are at the lower levels, folks. You know why? Because they have to be good. They have to be good coaches or, or they're not going to, I mean, they don't, because they don't have all these players, you know, uh, high school coaches are good. Now I'm not, I'm not advocating hiring from the high school level at this point. Right. Uh, unless you find like the best, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't do it, but uh, uh, the reason some of these high school coaches like Art Browse was a high school coach. Gus Malzahn was a high school coach. A lot of your big offensive names were high school coaches. They're good because guess what? Most of the time, unless you're at a school that, you know, is private and can recruit or a school that quote unquote does what, you know, recruits. <laughs> there are a couple. Um, you don't know what kind of players you're going to have here. It, it, it's dictated by, you know, what kids want to come play, what, what kids' moms and dads will let them play, uh, who moves into your district, who moves out of your district, what's your demographics. I mean, it's, it's impossible to, to predict who you've got in your program. So what you have to do is, okay, well, this year we don't have, uh, a corner that can cover a bucket of water. So here's what defense we're going to run to mask that. You know, this year we don't have a good offensive line. So here's what we're going to do to fix that. You know, people always talk to me about Bobby Bentley and why I like him as a as an offensive coach uh, and why his system worked. Uh, you read through his like he's got a it's online. It's like he talks about his offense in big bold letters. You do not have to have an elite offensive line to run this offense. <laughs> Okay, you know, and, and, and it's simple because it, it, it works. It's like you need one good receiver, basically. You need a quarterback that can accurately throw. Uh, and what Bobby did uh, at Burns was, you know, everybody from middle school on up was repping the base plays. So, in other words, there, there's there's certain plays in that offense that are, mon- are your go-to plays. I don't know what the go-to play in this offense with Marcus Satterfield is um, passing-wise at all unless you want to count the script, whatever you're throwing behind the line of scrimmage and then run, I guess runs like all inside. I said, I don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and that's a shame. Cause it's like, you talk about the Rams, the Rams are an outside zone team. Where's the Ra- Let's scrap the Rams. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean the Rams. <laughs> um, so, so that's the thing there about any new offensive coordinator. Don't worry about name. If you're going to, if you're, if you're attaching yourself to a name, you're going to be disappointed uh, and then you're going to be wrong uh, if the guy's a, a big-time guy with big-time production, in my opinion. Lance says Willie Corn is a dude. Like I said, I wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing Willie. Um, you know, uh, Craiger says, what quarter do we go into rally mode? 
Yeah, well, what happened to rally mode on Saturday? Because on Saturday it was like we weren't going to panic just because we were down twenty four nothing. I'm like, well, wait a minute. So you went in. So at home, okay. So, so here's the genius of these statements, right? At home, Phil, you're down seventeen at home, right? At home, crowd's mm-hmm. still behind you. Plenty of time to get back in. Got a shot. Mm-hmm. Rally mode, right? So. At the swamp, he literally says, "Well, we weren't we weren't going to panic just because we were down twenty. We were still trying to run the ball." And I'm like, "Well, why the hell did you go into rally mode last week at home? You're in the freaking swamp. Things are about to pile on you really quick, as it happens in that stadium, right? They're up. Florida's yeah. a big momentum team, man. And you uh, are without man. your most dynamic running back." <laughs> Let's methodically no. move the ball down the field, matriculate the offense down the field. Yeah. It just it makes no sense. It's his it just it, oh, contradictions all the time with him. It's almost over, JC. I know. <laughs> uh, Krager says on third and three, we should set up the fake punt again. <laughs> RB says yeah, thinking somewhere around sixty-two to seven. Eric says, will you please ask that way? Keep scripting the first 10 plays. Everybody talks about the script. I, I don't, I go back and forth because most coaches do script, but very few stick to the script. And Sat's been on record as saying he doesn't. But then you hear things like, well, we knew the first time we were inside the five, we were going to do this. It's like, this is like situational scripting. It was like, oh, okay. Well, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're at the goal line. So we're not going to run the ball with five yards to go and four chances to get in the end zone. We he wanted to hit Stogner across the middle where, it, it, you know. There were 10 people. They, they yeah, zoned it. He did it two weeks in a row. He did it two weeks in a row. Carolina won, so people weren't ridiculously upset. Two weeks in a row against Kentucky and A&M. Mm. Um, so, so you hear things like that, and then so you kind of go, well, he is sticking to his script. Uh, and, and it's not, it's never like first time we do this, we're going to do this. You have to look and see what defense they're in, man. I mean, because sometimes they may be in something that just like limbo, right? Okay. So, so here's the difference between sat and limbo, right? Uh, Shane mentioned this in the press conference. Like, okay, we had this fake punt on uh, that we ran against Florida. We had it on against Charlotte, but they never gave us the look we wanted. Okay, that's good coaching. So we didn't do it because so it didn't wasn't do it. there. It wasn't there. <laughs> uh, whereas, uh, okay, uh, so with, with the sad attack uh, at UT last year, we knew when we got inside the five, we were going to run the Birch play. Really? <laughs> Running the ball at will, man. Regardless. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you started it with the Joiner play where he kept, and that's pretty, pretty easy to dissect last year because he always kept it. Uh, Joiner actually gave the ball off this year the, the, against Florida. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and then you go with the burst play, and, and then they asked Shane about it. I was like, well, we knew we were going to do that when we got it. Well, okay. So did did anybody kind of just like stop and say, well, whoa, 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 the, the feel for the game, the, it's not time to bust this out yet, Sadie. Yeah. You know, wait, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's just try to get get the ball in the damn end zone because. You know, we need to do something to stop their momentum. And, and a, a trick play, you know, you're lucky on a trick play. It, it, it's it's more momentum stopping when you run it right up their butt 
and and pound it in the end zone. All right, well, here we impose your will. Yeah, yeah. Here we are, dudes. Let's go. We spotted you fourteen. Let's roll. Um, you know, and then and then the whole like, well, we knew the first time we were in the five, we were going to try to throw this pass to Stogner, and of course they got the end zone zoned up completely, and it's it is just awful, you know. But there's the difference because Limbo does not say we're going to run this regardless of what they're in. He waits for the right look and makes the call. And guess what? That's why it works. Yeah. And you wonder why it was like, you know, you get up to the the line and look anyway. If I were Spencer, I'd just quit looking over there. I'd be like, screw it. Just go with what you got called right now. <laughs> call it and haul it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen that. You know, it, it, it used to get on people's nerves when Spurrier's offense would kind of get the Spurrier's offense went through some, you know, down times. Uh, you know, didn't have the line or whatever. People be like, why are they looking over to the sideline like that? Well, then Carolina started winning and nobody complained. <laughs> uh, Spurrier could call two straight timeouts back to back and you knew he's drawing something money up, you know, <laughs> and you knew it'd be, I, I will just give him a chance to work. This happens. I mean, they got to delay a game after a timeout. That's how bad it is. So I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Joel, uh, Joel says, "Positive, a realistic Joel. Sad is mm-hmm. installing new plays right now in the walkthrough. Right, yeah, right. Let's just today. Come, come, Mr. Bigglesworth. Bring me the chalkboard on the radio flyer. I have a brilliant idea." <laughs> Tiffany says, "Any truth to the rumors that Sad has already cleaned out his office? No, no I doubt it. Yeah, but anything like that." Uh, Justin said, when Sat said we went into our rally package in my Dr. Evil's voice and Bell wasn't in the package, that's when rally package, that's when I knew Sat wasn't in OC. <laughs> Come on, head coach, get a method. Adam says, I might be okay with Limbo being promoted, but I hope we don't. I think maybe for the bowl game, that's not a terrible idea. Um, I'm worried about so. losing Pete. Some people are talking about that. You know, if he gets a head coaching gig, you know, I think that Charlotte job was probably a good one for him. They hired Biff Pogge from Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, RB says, don't disagree at all, JC. Just saying I could foresee a solid G5 OC or high-level FCS with history of production over Browse or Riley who could bolt after one year for a head coaching role. Yeah, I don't think that's going to play a factor in Shane's uh, decision. In college football these days, you don't have next year. I mean, you don't need to worry about 2024. <laughs> you got to worry about 2023. Um, Cody M says live stream canceled. I wonder what that is. Everything looks good here. Yeah. Are we good? Oh, Facebook. Uh, oh, Facebook's down. Yeah. What's wrong with Facebook? Cody, get on YouTube, man. <laughs> um, Jeffrey says, I'm somewhat worried about recruiting. Don't think I'd want to play offense under the human anchor. Well, you're not going to have to worry about that for too much longer. <laughs> but, hey, if for some reason something crazy happens and he's uh, still here, yeah, worry about it because it's, it's already impacted skill position recruiting. Um, Dos Bandito said, why did Muschamp not give Bentley a chance? Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. First and foremost, like, okay, so think about this. You go through – uh, the Steve Spurrier Jr. Steve Spurrier dynamic, and before that, it was the Skip Holtz and Lou Holtz dynamic. Um, 
I would be willing to bet that because that was such a toxic situation, uh, Spurrier Jr. was almost as hated as Satterfield by the time he left. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that maybe Muschamp was kind of worried about the nepotism angle of it. Uh, also, maybe handing the keys to someone that had never done it at this level, which most coaches put a big deal on it. Um, now, if you're asking me why he didn't do that when he went to BMAG, I think it was, you know, the nepotism angle. Bobby's son, I mean, he didn't have Bobby coaching quarterbacks. He's like, Bobby's son is the quarterback. And, you know, and did Bentley, Jake, you know, fans didn't really – I thought, quite frankly, I think Gamecock fans are completely unfair to that guy. Um, really, really unfair. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he takes a lot of heat. So then – Anytime something goes wrong, it's like Billy and his dad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and inevitably, something's going to go wrong because you're playing good defenses. But uh, I, I think I think that's kind of it. I, I, now, if you ask me why Jeff Scott didn't have him as the OC, I'll never know. I will never, ever know. Uh, he's known Bobby for years. I will never, ever, ever know. Um. Okay, I'm over. I'm over overboard here. Uh, Michael Flint's coming up on the other side. Inside the game, costume show rolls on, and don't forget out. We're out at eleven fifty-five or uh, twelve fifty-five today. Uh, or actually, twelve fifty-three. Phil, fifty-three. Seven minutes early because they said I need to log on. I just got a ah. note from them. Need to log on. Good. All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back after these messages to talk with Michael Flint inside the game, costume show. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show hey folks jc here i've told you about nana's porch over and over again they sponsor our chat box on the show uh don't take my word for it though i wanted you to hear from gamecock pitcher noah hall about our sponsor nana's porch nanasporch.com go there food truck catering whatever you need uh take it away noah what's up gamecock fans this is pitcher noah hall if you want some delicious food for your event I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. JC Sherbert, Phil Mullinax. We're joined now by, well, first, the second hour of the show. Let me get this in here. It's sponsored to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot Adam an email at aburgesson. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at Remax.net. And we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than former Gamecock wide receiver Michael Flint for another edition of Wando's World. Michael, hey, how what's up, man? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Awesome, man. Doing great. Another Michael, week. Another week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're it's almost over. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, you know, let me get I hate to say it like that, but this, I mean, that's just how I feel about Satterfield and this offense right now. Is you know what, guys? We got two more weeks, and then something tells me we're going to see some changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how, how bad do you think it looked uh, against Florida, Michael? It was it was tough. I mean, it just you know there wasn't any creativity to it. You know, I didn't see it. We looked too predictable. Um, it looked like they knew exactly what was coming again, like kind of like what what happened against Missouri. Um, it just looked like we, we didn't look prepared, and everybody looked rattled early. Uh, we couldn't get into a rhythm. It was no you know no success on first down, putting us in predictable situations, and we just I mean we could not get anything going i mean what we've what we've done when we've had success we've gone completely we went completely away from 
And it was a little surprise. And I think part of that is attributed to no, pretty much no success on first down. Being in predictable down and distance situations. And while being in those predictable situations, we were predictable when it came to, you know, from you know, a play calling standpoint. And I think Florida, like, again, was one step ahead of us um, defensively. And it was it was tough. I mean, I you know, I know everybody's frustrated. I think players are frustrated, I think, as well. I mean, not being able to get out there and score points and um, getting outscored by the special teams unit. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. To, it's tough to stomach. And I think uh, there's a lot of frustration. It's just, you know, I think going into this game, we just need to throw it all out the window and just get creative. And just and, and, and do something completely different and just get out there and just sling it around and, and, and just have fun, really. I mean, I think it simply gets back to just go out there and have fun and just throw everything that we've done out the window and go out there and just have fun and just let it all just kind of go. Let it all just go blow in the wind and don't have a care in the world and, you know, don't get too uptight and just make play calls that you're normally not comfortable doing. I think that's what we got to do. <laughs> I just don't. I like the sandlot aspect of it. It's like, you know, just go out there and just have some fun, you know? <laughs> I mean, draw them up in the dirt and let's go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, my concern is they're going to try to play like, well, let's run it anyway, keep it away from. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, just kind of the state, but most coaches try to. It's not worked against Tennessee. Brian Kelly tried to do this against Tennessee, uh, run it and keep it, and that didn't work. I mean, it just uh, it didn't work. Missouri, what they did on offense, worked against the Vols for about – Brady Cook played well against them, worked against the Vols for about, uh, you know, uh, a little bit into the third quarter, and then the next thing you know, it's 66-24. Um, Kentucky tried to do – Similar things that ended poorly. Um, you know, the only thing, the only thing is, you know, Tennessee has not played in an environment like this no. once this year at Georgia. They lost. Um, you know, they played a road game at Pitt early and went to overtime. Uh, so, you know, if the game guys can find some things to get, even if it's the defense and special teams making plays early, yeah. uh, like it's happened against AM and, and, um, Kentucky, I, I think I think they can try to stay in it for as long as they can, uh, and I and I think the longer they stay in it, it's not necessarily they got a chance for victory, but that keeps the crowd in it. This game's a showcase game, uh, national television, the ESPN primetime spot with Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler calling it. SEC Nations there, uh, you know that's one more coming. Like I said earlier, Michael, one more coming back from commercial break with the light show and the crowd going crazy and. One more time for a recruit sitting at home going, man, or a recruit in the in the, in the stands going, man, I could play in this environment. Um, so, so I think that's kind of what you hope for. Um, as far as Satterfield throwing it all in the wind, I, I mean, the, the, the one good thing is you, you never really get the same thing twice in a row with this guy. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's that's the tough part. I mean, like we've talked about before, you know, that inverted wishbone. I think that we ran against Georgia and never seen it, hadn't seen it since, and. You know, some different things that we've seen throughout the course of the year for a few games. We haven't seen it, you know, haven't seen it since. Um, you know, I think, you know, what we did trying to run it into the teeth of Florida's defense with a 400-pound, you know, nose guard 
against what we have, I think, you know, should have done things a little differently there. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I think being able to maintain the environment, you know, and, you know, as a player, you, you, Herm Edwards, you play, you, you play to win the game. I mean, you don't go in there thinking that you want to try to keep it close. You prepared all week, you watch film, you're going in there to win the game and you're going in there to compete and you're going to battle your tail off and you're expecting to, to, to win the football game. But, you know, looking at it from the outside in, it's, you know, seeing what Tennessee's done all year, what they've done to other teams is, you know, try to keep it close, try to keep the environment with a night game electric, you know, for those kids. And I, you know, I think especially, you know, defensively doing what we've done, you know, for a lot of years with Muschamp is, you know, keep them in front, keep the guys in front, you know, don't, don't give up the big play. I think against Tennessee, that's the most probably important thing defensively we have to do to keep it, you know, in type, the type of game you're, you know, talking about is keep those guys in front and limit the amount of big plays or explosive plays that you give up on the back end of the secondary and keep those guys, you know, get them in the red zone and get stops, you know, hold, keep them, hold up, hold them to field goals. But I think, you know, limiting the big plays and keeping those, keeping those guys in front is going to be huge, um, you know, for the, uh, you know, it's going to be huge for the, for the defense. I think offensively, you know, one thing I did see in the Florida game was that we utilized the middle of the field a little bit and had some success, but, you know, those were in those third and long type situations or second and long type situations to where, you know, we were able to utilize it. And, you know, you saw that we were able to get the ball in playmakers hand. We just couldn't do anything outside of that. But I mean, I think in the run game, the pass game, there's got to be creativity. I don't want to say trick plays because you don't want to get too, too cute and fancy, but doing things differently. I think, you know, the guy, that, that big defensive tackle gets Florida. I think, you know, move, getting linemen pulling and, and doing different things where, you know, we're ear holing that guy and he's not knowing where other where linemen are pulling from or coming from and, you know, not trying to block him straight up or double teams, but having guys pull and, you know, ear holes, ear hole shots or, you know, things like that. And just keeping him on his toes that, you know, keeps him on edge a little bit um, and not allowing those guys to necessarily pin their ears back and, and, and come. But I think, you know, offensively, there's got it. We got to figure out a way to get Spencer comfortable early, or it's going to be ugly early. And I think utilizing that quick game is is the simplest thing, but we just really don't really don't do it. And I've seen some things to where we've run some quick game type things, but the quarterback's drop doesn't necessarily match up with the the route that you know the receivers running in it that's kind of a frustrating thing on some of the quick stuff I see Rattler kind of taking that hit you know taking that drop and it's like just get him the ball get on the ball quick get on the ball quick and you know from a fundamental standpoint you know I do appreciate all these quarterback coaches out there and you see all these quarterbacks put these videos up of them navigating the pocket and throwing on the run and doing all these crazy throws and you know throwing off their back foot and you know eluding rushers but you know, you don't see the videos of a guy taking a five-step drop, hitching and throwing it cleanly, taking a three-step drop, taking a, you know, taking a three-step drop, getting rid of it, flipping your hips and throwing the ball. And I think a lot of that is is what I see with Spencer is that he's throwing off his back foot a lot. He's not really stepping up into the pocket and making the throw. It's a lot of these, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers type throws where your arm, your arm slot changes. You know, you're throwing off your back foot. You're not following through. You're not driving um, – through your, you know, off your back leg, driving through and, you know, just good, clean fundamentals. And that's really what we haven't seen a lot this year. And I really, 
it was really highlighted against Florida, I feel like, where I noticed it a lot more that there were some errant throws that were simply because of some fundamentals. It wasn't a lot, but it was more noticeable against Florida than it has been in the past. And, you know, it brought me back to thinking about all these great, you know, Instagram videos or whatever that are being put out there with all the crazy quarterback coaches. You know, let's get back to simple fundamentals. That's what it's all about. Talking with Michael Flint, former Gamecock receiver here on a Friday. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, another thing, get, get Spencer on the move a little bit, like out of the pocket, not necessarily to run, but, uh, you know, bootlegs, waggle kind of stuff. Boot, Keith calls them boots and waggles, uh, you know, because um, I, I think I think he's good at doing that. You know, I, I think scramble play has been his best play this year. Uh, and I think uh, – you know, they do so much. The, the, the passing game is conservative. <laughs> a lot uh, a lot of stuff up, excuse me, a lot of stuff up the sideline. Not not a lot down the middle. They did do a little better job, but it was short. You know, you, you found the guy in the middle, and then he was, you know, six yards from a first down, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, it's a very conservative type passing game. I mean, if you think about kind of what he's taught to do, which I think that's a recipe for disaster. But, yeah, I would get him on the run, uh, rolling out, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, it just doesn't seem like that's ever happened <laughs> this year no, uh, and all that. No, and it's, and, it's, and it's like, you know, you say you want to you kind of create that pocket for him to get him comfortable. And whether that's shift in the pocket a little bit based on, um, you know, some play action or, you know, rolling out um, – it, you know, we just he, he hasn't felt comfortable. And I feel like, you know, after watching some of these games that if he has a clean pocket, steps up and throws it, I'm like, damn, this is something different. We hadn't seen this a whole lot before. And it's just he's never had a clean pocket to throw from to throw from. And, I've, you know, I've seen some criticisms out there, um, you know, of him. And, I, you know, I, I think we, we, you, you've seen what he can do when he drops back, when he can step up into a clean pocket and throw the football and even get outside the pocket and throw it on the run, he's a really good quarterback. And, you know, I, I think, you know, he's been put in a tough situation, and I think we put him in a lot of tough situations from a scheme standpoint, play calling standpoint, to where we haven't really set him up for success. But, you know, you get him a good clean pocket to throw from, and you kind of, as a coach or a play caller, you help create that. you got to help create that based on the personnel that you have and you understand the strengths, you understand the weaknesses, you know where the strengths of your front, your, your, you know, your front guys are, you know, where the strengths of, you know, the guys in the backfield that can block or get out of the backfield and catch a ball, you know, you know what the tight ends can do. And I just, you know, I think we've struggled with trying to see what the strengths of this team are and kind of build around what that is. I don't think they know. I think I think they thought it was Marshawn Lloyd for four weeks, and then Lloyd goes out. And it's like, well, what are we going to do now? Yeah. I mean, and that that personnel identification, Mike, and uh, usage and stuff to me, that's that's almost more frustrating than the lack of uh, good play calling and scheme. Is that okay? Well, you know, why do you have a scheme to where like Austin Stodner played four plays in the first half against Florida? I mean, and and there's a guy that against Missouri was like a bright spot. You felt, and it, and it seems like every time a player starts to have a breakthrough, the next week he doesn't play or <coughs> you know, or he disappears. I mean, uh, you go back to Juice Wells between Arkansas. You can go back to last year. Juju McDowell essentially won the game for Carolina, East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Next week against UGA, zero touches. <laughs> didn't even. I don't even think he played. 
it didn't feel like it. No. Mm-mm. And that's you know? the same with that's the same with Wells. I mean, was it after two weeks of the two weeks of the of the season? He was leading the SEC in receptions and yardage. And then uh, for two or three weeks, it was like, is he still on the team? Is he hurt? You know, what's what what's going on? Um, you know, it was when we got found ways to get him the ball, it wasn't really the the best use of the the ability or skills, which, you know, either throwing it behind the line of scrimmage or trying to throw it, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield on a go route or a post route. And it's, you know, doing a good job of creating, creating that, those mismatches through motion and getting guys into certain position, getting guys into certain space on the field where, you know, they're weak. And that's what coach Spurrier was a genius. I mean, coach Spurrier drawing on the whiteboard made it look so simple, but it was the way the quarterbacks drop matched up with the route there wasn't standard routes but he created kind of a route that would get a guy into position that matched up with the quarterback's drop and the quarterback's reading the defense not looking at where his guy is he knows where his guy is going to be but it's you know knowing what defense they're in and where the hole is going to be by reading those defenders and I feel like we you know haven't necessarily done that it's more of you got a guy that you pretty sure you're going to throw it to but if you don't then here's your outlet over here in the out the backfield you know I'll tell you who does do that, Josh Heupel. <laughs> uh, I, I read uh, in the Athletic about the offense, like uh, you know, Spurrier used those option routes, right? And uh, a quarterback just kind of concentrated. It, it's it's de- it's designed to find the hole, no matter where it is. Um, and 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 they do that uh, against man coverage. They do it against zone coverage. And it, it's just and it's very simple from what they say for the quarterback to kind of get down. Um, and for the uh, receivers to learn, you know, because they, they're charging off the line. And in other words, if they get by the guy, that's a long. And if not, they come back and run a stick route or something. And it's 10 yards either way because, you know, the guy's open and, and all that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't think there's anything going on close to what Coach Spurrier used to do. No, and I'll tell you, it was, it was impressive. Coach Spurrier. Every time. Every well, time, hey, I had to be. Had to be I, I may change my score prediction. Hold on, let me. Let's change your score prediction. <laughs> but it was those uh the, the, those option routes, and it was amazing. Based on the coverage, you know, you come out. There's three routes you run, and based on the coverage, you knew what route you were going to run. But the route in the throwing lane was the exact same, whether it was at seven yards, fourteen yards, or twenty-two yards. It was the same window and it was so, it was just, you sit back and you see it and you're like, wow, it just looks so simple, but how you come up with that and it all matches up with the quarterback's drop and the quarterback and the receiver are on the same page based on coverage. And it's, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was really good. I mean, and that was kind of what, exactly what you alluded to with, with what Hypool does and, you know, Coach Spurrier did it and kind of the, the originator of it. Talk with Michael Flint. Uh, yeah, I um, <clears throat> I don't think this offense plays to Rattler's strengths whatsoever. I, I think it was a terrible idea, uh, you know. And, and you know, you hear things like, uh, "Come, come, try to be in this." You know, we were in kind of a pro style system. We'll get you ready for the NFL. And you're like, "Well, okay, that's fine," but surely you're not gonna, you're not just gonna be married to that. You're gonna kind of design it for Spencer's strengths, which was not doing this in Oklahoma at all. Um, and it's just never happened. It's gotten worse. And it's like, you know, I don't understand it. Uh, defensively, you know, I, I, how it's going to be hard to stop these guys or slow them at all. 
obviously. What would you do if you were Clayton White besides just keep everybody in front of you in terms of trying to affect the passer? Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple different ways you can look at this. And, you know, being, you know, not being as aggressive and trying to keep everybody in front. But also when you do that, you allow the quarterback to sit back there all day. Um, that's one thing you kind of see with that, I guess, the bend but don't break mentality to where you keep everything in the secondary, just keep the guys in front of you. But you also allow the quarterback to sit back there a lot if you're not able to get pressure. And I think that's you know one thing that is going to have to happen with the front four is you got to be able to put pressure on Hinton Hooker, but you got to be able to do it the right way. You can't, you can't be aggressive rushing up the field because once you do that, all he does is step up in the pocket and then he's able to run and get seven, eight yards a clip. So you really got to be, you really, you know, get pressure off the edge. Yes, you got to do it controlled. But I think collapse in the pocket um, is a big way, you know, to kind of limit what he's able to do. But, you know, I, I we I think we have talent. And I think we have guys like a Cam Smith that you can kind of match up with 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 the with the Jalen Hyatt. But then you still have Tennessee with a couple other guys. You know, I think Darius Rush has done a really good job. You know, but do we have a lot of guys that can match up with them in man-to-man type situation situations so we can be aggressive um you know it's it that's a, it's an extremely tough call because you know when you when you try to apply pressure to the quarterback you try to try to bring pressure from different areas you get creative up front to keep that offensive line on their heels to where maybe Tennessee has to keep a tight end at tight end in to help block they got to keep a running back in when you can't get a running back in um, you can't get a running back out in the flats. That's kind of your um, as as your kind of your 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 drop off. So it, I think there's really two uh, two ends of the spectrum that that you could look at trying to implement against an offense like this. And I mean, I think for us is you know do we take that bend but don't break mentality? Which I mean, for us historically, from what we've seen, is the quarterbacks got all day to throw the football and they're just going to pick you apart, and then you're going to be worn down. And you know, I think. In the second half, it just, you know, it's kind of the same thing that we've, that's happened over the course of the season is once that defense gets worn out, it, it's tough because we can't maintain drives and sustain, um, you know, sustain drives on offense. And, you know, I would like for us to come out and be aggressive, allow Cam Smith to kind of showcase the type of player he is because he hasn't, teams haven't attacked him a whole lot this year. And I think that's going to, you know, this is where Cam Smith can make some money um, is this kind of game against a guy like Jalen Hyatt. And, if we come out and try to apply pressure, run a little bit more man than what's expected, I think Darius Rush and Cam Smith stand to make a little money this game. Um, you know, as far as the NFL goes, because those guys are those guys are going to play on Sundays in some capacity, and I think this is where we see what we got with those guys. And I would like to see us come out in some man situations and 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 attack and try to put pressure on Hendon Hooker and you know and and, and bring pre- and, and and blitz some guys. I'll tell you this, Michael. Uh, Pat Darduzzi, they inter- they interviewed him uh, for for that article in the Athletic before the Jordan. They're like, man, I I just man their asses up is what he said. Yeah, <laughs> and Pitt had some success at least slowing them. I mean, it wasn't, and that was game two. But uh, you know, I I I I like I like kind of like the man coverage idea. I think I think you could you could do both. You can come out aggressive and and play man or whatever, and then. Uh, if it's not working, you can always switch back to sort of a shell or quarters coverage or something like that. I don't know. I I, uh, uh, I, I think there is, like you said, more than one way you could do it. All right, you got a score prediction for us? We got to we're cutting out early today because I got to roll to a telehealth appointment. I hear you. Telehealth. Wait, you got to roll or you just sit? 
You rolling that chair over? Roll <laughs> I'm rolling my rolls, brother. Rolling my rolls. <laughs> Man, I, you know, I would love for us to come out and be able to keep this thing close and, you know, get to the second half and, and be able to say, like, man, these guys are fighting. These guys are fighting. And I, I don't think there's any quit in this team, um, you know, on offense or defense. I think we got good leadership. Um, you know, I'd like to say we keep it we keep it close. I think this is that trap game for Tennessee that they're looking at next week, I think, against Vanderbilt. And they're looking to try to get into that playoff and how they're going to get work their way into the playoff. And this is a game where Tennessee could stumble a little bit. Um, you know, and I like – the fight in these guys, but I think it's tough, but I think we keep it a little closer than what people think. You know, I think it's, you know, maybe, you know, 45, 27. I think we do score a little bit, um, you know, at 45, 27, maybe. Um, it's just offensively as we've been a wild card so much, but I'm put a little faith in those guys this week. All right. Michael Flint, Wando's world joins us uh, every Friday. May hit you up a different time day-wise next week for the big game. Uh, it may, may take Thursday and Black Friday off, but uh, we'll be in touch and certainly appreciate you and uh, all your insight, man. Hey, man, I, I love doing it. I enjoy it. I, hey, anytime you get a chance to talk football, it's always a good day. Absolutely, my man. Yes, we'll have fun at the game regardless, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll do it. Go Cox. You'll have a good one. You too, Michael. Thank you. My man, Michael Flint. Um, wow. Somebody said Spencer Rattler is a joke. Come on, Jerry. I mean, the, the guys in it's like Mission Impossible. <laughs> I mean, what the hell do you want him to do? Really, what do you expect? I, I mean, mean uh, you, you got know. four and five second plays developing, and you don't have a man more than seventeen yards down the field on some of those. I mean, if you if, if you put Connor Shaw in this offense, same. Yeah, everybody's going to look pedestrian. Running this offense. I mean, it's just it's awful. It's god awful. Um, so uh Hutch said, looking ahead to Vandy, how far have we fallen? I think Michael forgot Vandy was their end of season opponent, just to be yeah, honest with you. Just hit him. He's like, I think they're looking ahead. Oh, uh, so Vandy, uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now so, that being said, this could be, I mean, Michael's right. It could be a trap game for Tennessee, although I don't, you know, uh, there but there's gonna have to be this just perfect storm of things happening, right? The stadium's yeah. gonna have to be loud. They're gonna have to have some miscues early. We're going to need some special teams and defensive help to, at the beginning of the game. Um, I do, however, like the because I've been thinking about how do you atta- how do you attack Tennessee defensively and and you know the man to man coverage I think plays to our strengths and also kind of helps our weaknesses, if you will. It's not necessarily a weakness, but if you go man coverage, then you're gonna you're gonna take some of that pressure off of the youth in your secondary in the safeties where you can just put your good experienced corners and nickel out there um, and kind of take some of the, the stuff off of DQ and even worry, uh, even though they're going to, I mean, I'm sure you, they're going to still do some single high stuff and, you know, maybe even uh, who knows, but I think you just, it puts the, puts the onus on your more experienced players and DBs and kind of take some of that pressure off of the younger guys. Yeah, I, I would I would probably send pressure a bunch too. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe just collapse. Like you said, collapse the pocket. That's easier said than done against these guys, though. Mm-hmm. That's, I've seen a lot of teams try to do that, and it just does not work. I mean, LSU got a body. 
Uh, of course, that was a long time ago. So Michael says people put us with Vandy now instead of Vandy, Kentucky is the lower tier. That's not true. South Carolina is considered kind of a middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack type of team. Um, you know, and I'll remind everybody too, look, it's a six and four football team. Um, you, you could be Texas A&M. You could be Auburn. <laughs> you could, and you know, even like Arkansas relative to expectations because of the injuries to KJ Jefferson and the, uh, I don't know who's made their non-conference schedule in Fayetteville, but they should be fired. I mean, in the non-conference, Arkansas has played Cincinnati, BYU, Liberty, and Missouri State, who's coached by Bobby Petrino. Um, and they went to BYU. <laughs> let's add another road game. Yeah, let's put a road game to, <laughs> to, to, to Provo, Utah. Utah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just, uh, you know, to me, I'm like – uh, you know, the, the, the situation could be worse, uh, but it, it, it is sad that, you know, it's almost surreal that, you know, you have a big game with the top five team and all this national attention coming to your your home field. And, you know, it, it's just chances of even not getting blown out are kind of slim. And, it, and it's because of one thing. See, South Carolina does not have the offense to compete in this game. They don't have the offensive plan to go head-to-head with them and compete. They don't have the scheme. Um, you know, they have the players. That's what's oh, just a shame about it is the personnel is there, but just the complete ineptitude of how to use it yeah. has just yeah. sunk, you know, any hope they had of, of you know, uh, you know, being better than we are right now. <laughs> All right, about, uh, yeah, well, we got to wrap it up, take the last break, because like I said, got to get out early today here on Predictions Friday on Inside the Game Cost Show. As always, you can catch. Anything you missed, uh, it's archived on YouTube if you'd like to watch. And if you want to just listen to podcast form, it's on Apple Pods and uh, Spotify and Audible, the uh, audiobook app. (laughs) Not sure how many Gamecraft family. I listen to audiobooks to go to sleep tonight on Audible, but uh, I don't know how many people get their Gamecraft podcast from Audible. But anyway, we're on there. So check us out. All right. So uh, uh, anyway, we'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all 
ages, and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good Southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The second hour course is brought to you by the Burgess and team at Remax at the Lake. Adam or Derek will be happy to help you with your commercial real estate needs. Give them a call or shoot them an email at a Burgesson. That's a b e r g e s o n at Remax.net. And let's see here, JC. I was kind of looking through the uh, chat box here. I don't know. We're all kind of a little jaded, I think, after 10 games. Yeah, <laughs> I can't blame us. You know, it's just... I'm not, you know. I, I do want to read Dre's prediction. He got in late. Dre goes, yeah. from the great land of Greer, South Carolina. Greer, go Greer, Greer. Right up the road. Mm-hmm. Heading to the game this weekend. Good for you. Want to get my prediction? 41-20, a big orange. Uh, the queen of the Spurs Up show has joined. Oh. Rebecca. Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you, Thank Rebecca. you for joining us. Um, Clint says he thinks we have eight and four, maybe nine and three talent. Better record than our rec- what our record indicates. Yeah, I mean, look. You look back through it. 
Uh, I know Arkansas is struggling on offense, and somehow they've gotten a little better on defense. But that Arkansas defense, pass defense especially, could you? All right, so let me just throw this at you. If Steve Spurrier came up with the game plan and had Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, and all the receivers they got, and Lloyd, first of all, he'd run Lloyd more than seven times against them. Oh yeah, but, for but sure. not. A, but you know, especially against two people, two people in the box. You know, Carolina starts better in that game. <clears throat> Arkansas's not rolling early. They don't build the lead. That's a fourth quarter game. I don't know if they beat Georgia or not. Um, I know they beat. They probably beat Missouri with a better offense. Uh, I think they hang with Florida. Uh, with a better offense and the defense doesn't get worn out. So that's the thing there. Uh, Re- Rebecca has a message for Tennessee's. Throw that up on the board there. Tennessee Vols can kiss our ass. That's right. Mm-hmm. I got a really good friend. Uh, we call her Mama Sherry. She's like a second mom to me. Huge Tennessee fan. So I don't I don't think I'll, I'll tell Mama Sherry that. Red doesn't like that either. I don't know what he's barking at. But anyway, sorry about the, the dog there. Selected um, members of the uh, Vols fan base. <laughs> he says sorry for cuss word. It's fine, you know. A little, a little, uh, you know. A couple of those words are fine. You know, we just can't use the f word. Yeah, we just stay away from the hard ones. Yeah, yeah Spurrier's <laughs> like, yeah, don't don't use. Spurrier has the thing. He's like, don't use the f word. Shoot, <laughs> a hell shit or damn's fine anytime, but don't use the f word. Don't use that f word. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, you brought up something interesting in the last segment too, JC, is like with all the national hype and coverage and, you know, SEC Nation being down here, I can't remember the last time that we got such national prominence when we know they're not here for us. Yeah. You know. I mean, because all those times during Spurrier and Holtz, it was like, yeah, we were doing well, you know, things were climbing, and it was, yeah, never got. I mean, I think I think SEC Nation came a couple of times during Muschamp, maybe once during SEC Nation kind of spreads the love out, though. I know, yeah, game day didn't come. Certainly, I don't think we've ever had Fowler and Herb Street. We've had Musburger and Herb Street. That's true, yeah. Uh, but since uh, Musburger moved on, mm-hmm. yeah, Musburger and Mus uh, Herb Street actually did back to back games. They did the Georgia and the LSU game. Uh, mm-hmm. One was home, one was on the road in 2012. Um, but that was kind of the height of the program. I think Carolina was ranked third in the country before they lost to LSU, second highest ranking ever in 2012. Gosh, love to be sitting there at number three right now, right? Ooh, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I'll remind everybody too. It's, it, you know, sometimes it, it, it is, this game is about win, wins and losses, uh, but, it, but it's also, uh, from everybody else's perspective that's not out there playing and coaching, it's about, um, you know, on game days, it is about family and having fun with your friends and enjoying the moment. And I don't think there's any of us that are going to be sitting here in August going, man, I'm glad I didn't go to the stadium one of the six times I could, seven times I could have this past year, mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, and, and that's why I like the fact they're going to a bowl because after Clemson, no matter what happens there, Everybody's going to settle down. Change yeah. will be coming. There'll be some some hope with new recruits. They'll get guys from the portal. Uh, there'll be a new day, and then they then they still Carolina still gets to go play a game. Mm-hmm. I think one of the saddest things was like 2019 to me was sad because no bowl game. There were changes, and then there was the wait, and then the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic, yeah. And mm-hmm. so you just don't know what to expect. They finally get it cranked up into September, and then. The wheels continue to fall off. 
but uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that's that's one thing. And 76 says, Sp- Phil speaks lies. They're totally here for us. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, in as much as people watch NASCAR races just for the wrecks. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it's fr- they're going to give Carol Anna some talk and, uh, you know, some, some good coverage and stuff because in the pregame and because that's what they do. I mean, starting tonight, I think Beamer uh, tweeted he's going to be on with Feinbaum tonight from uh, the Horseshoe. Uh, also, uh, you know, uh, Rebecca adds – I'm from Eastern Tennessee, the big Gamecocks fan. I had a great aunt and uncle went to USC Aiken, then the USC. My uncle passed away from brain cancer. My aunt, a blood condition. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry Queen hear of the Spurs that. up show. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiffany says, uh, he, she says, instead of tiger burn, can we burn a sat dummy? I think that'd be taken a little too far. That that gets maybe. Now, you don't burn the OC and effigy. <laughs> I was going to say, are we still hanging and burning people in effigy? I think you do if he's not fired within 24 hours after Clemson. Yeah, he he may be the first coordinator to ever be burnt in effigy. That's Just Just burn burn his playbook. There's not enough matches and lighter fluid (laughs) to burn that dang thing. Oh, man. <laughs> Dave, Dave Dorn. another hole in the ozone layer. Create another hole in the ozone layer, Bert. You see that bonfire from space. Yeah, you would. Uh, hey, Dave Dorn's in the chat box. My favorite coach from NC State. Hey, how good How good is the Wolfpack this year? <laughs> how y'all doing up there? Relative to expectations. They're, they're rolling in about seven and five again. I mean, now, honestly, their quarterback got hurt. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it's kind of like Arkansas, but boy, oh boy, they sure didn't have the breakthrough. Uh, Tiffany says, playbook him. Hell, we may need to burn Sage in his vacated office to burn out the bad voodoo. Um, Rebecca adds, uh, my great aunt was my favorite great aunt. Miss her so much. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Uh, 76 says, JC, can you do a sap voice? Ha ha. No. I mean, I can't. I, I, the younger the younger people are, the harder it is for me to do their voice. Like, you know, um, I know a lot of the young guys these days don't necessarily, you know, well, let's just say they don't necessarily talk like me and Phil did growing up. They have a little, ac- little, uh, little more feminine of accents sometimes. Oh, you know? <laughs> they get a young man, you know, and, and I could do a vo- I could do that voice, but I think it would offend people, so I'm not going to do it. Um, but uh, Tiffany's like, Dave's still at NC State. I mean, Sat's still at SC, so I get it. Well, Dave Dorn's at least winning, and sometimes they put points on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Rebecca adds that her great aunt died December 22nd of last year. Well, maybe Carolina can go to the Vegas Bowl and you can get a nice, uh, you know, nice uh, little uh, experience about five days before that anniversary. Dave says being a Gamecock and Pack fan is rough on offense. I just want to see some mediocre offense. <laughs> Zach adds, we need a sat Dr. Evil t-shirt. If anybody's good at graphic design and you want to, like, superimpose the outline of Sat's face on Dr. Evil when he's doing the, the thing, Send it to us inside the game guys at gmail.com. I'll make a meme out of it and I'll consider putting it on a shirt. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Coach O in the summer uh, meme we put up. I'm, I'm thinking I'm putting that on a shirt. Seriously. <laughs> um, James says, I'm hoping for a mixture of the Alabama game a few years ago and the Clemson game the year Elliott finished the season. 
Uh, Alabama when the Helensky game. Yeah, that was that was actually a competitive game. State fairly competitive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there was a terrible call at the end, as was the case in the Muschamp era, right? You know, you you had and look, I I think I think Kyle Markway did hold on the fake punt, but damn it, you could you could have let it go. I mean, it wasn't that bad of a hold, right? Uh, and Parker White trucks it to the end zone. The place going crazy. Didn't get that. Uh, and then Rico's going. It's twenty four ten. Rico's in the end, going in the end zone. Uh, I guess they called him down, or so. it was just a, it was an awful play call. Carolina had to kick it 24-13, and then they just didn't. Carolina's defense was not going to be able to stop them that year. Uh, but not a lot of teams did uh, have success stopping Bama or LSU that season. But uh, yeah, Carolina played spirited. They were in it at halftime, and then next thing you know, it's forty-seven sixteen, and that's that. Uh, but uh, you know, that that's uh, – and then the Clemson game, Elliott's year, another bad call uh, cost the Gamecocks. So that was the the deal there. Uh, Luke says he did not know there were ball security football gods. I think it's the gods of football security. <laughs> the ball security. I, I, it's like, how many football gods are there? Is it like, the, you know, the Greeks and Romans, we got different temples and shrines to each. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, uh, if there was, I'd be like uh, Jabu for Major League and sacrifice a live chicken yeah, that's what like, or, or a bucket of KFC, you know. <laughs> That'd be so hilarious. Is you see me the out there. Of all. <laughs> I put a video up on on uh, social media this weekend. I'll be out there with a bucket of KFC original, not extra crispy, because I'd probably <laughs> eat the extra crispy. But uh, you know, he just burns it in effigy to the to That's the right. football ball security gods. Ball security gods. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Fire up a, a bow round. Crager says somebody needs to kick him in the ball security. Hey, with that little ice crystal in the middle of the bow round, you could put that on like a stick, like a marshmallow, and roast it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hell, it'd be it'd be cooler than when you put the the flaming lava hot, fresh out of the grease in your mouth, and <laughs> you, you, the whole right side of your mouth blisters up, and it, it, it's just awful. I could sue Bojangles, really. You know how people sue McDonald's? That's right. Yeah, the McDonald's lawsuit for the coffee. <laughs> why do they make it so hot? You know, it's like Eddie Murphy delirious. Why is the fire so big, Gus? Why? Why? What? All no right. Why the Bigfoot, Gus? <laughs> Goonie Goo Goo. Goo. Uh, all right, Phil. Give us your prediction because we got to head out in two minutes. Oh, uh, 52-17. Y'all know who I think is going to win. <laughs> a lot of confidence there. But, you're you're just one touchdown behind uh, Tony Morrell. Uh, uh, James Churchill says, do you see any fire in the rumors that have been posted by the Arkansas Insider about Browse? Yes. Uh, I don't know about fire, but there's smoke. But it's smoky. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying Kendall Browse would come to South Carolina or he's the next guy or anything like that. I know enough to know though that there's some unrest at Arkansas, you know, because you, you wouldn't hear that um, unless there were some, you know, and, and there are some of their fans and the analysts and stuff that aren't Kendall fans. That's fine. Uh, if the Gamecocks can get him and Arkansas is not happy, I do care, <laughs> uh, you know, because you know, what, what, what works at one school doesn't always. I mean, you know, I, I'm I think there are very good reasons why Arkansas has struggled on offense, and they have everything to do with 
building your offense around KJ Jefferson and him not being healthy. I mean, that's and then at receiver, as we talked to Trey about at the beginning, they did get some names out of the portal, but you know, and some of those guys have been okay, but they haven't. I mean, they lost Burks and all those other guys, so um, it's it's crazy. Uh, Tiffany says, "Dude, I'll go this, cut this crap out, and go blue 32. Yeah, that's what we ran in middle school. Uh, power right, uh, 48. I four power right bootleg pass, and when he go blue 32, that means the audible was on for me to run the out pattern, and that's how I scored my lone touchdown in my football career in Gaffney's uh, reservation for DR Hill Middle School. Touchdown, DR Hill, touchdown, clown. Clown. <laughs> On that note, we got to get out of here. I told you we're going to end a little early today because I got to do the telehealth thing for. Oh, there we go, everybody. Coach the Coach O Endless Summer. <laughs> Coach O Endless Summer, Destin, Florida 2021. Go Tigers. I will put that on a shirt. It's amazing. I wonder if he'd sue me. I don't know. I'll give him a cut. Give me well, an NIL deal. <laughs> I need my NIL money. No, they didn't get enough of uh, spending my seventeen million. Uh, Taylor Mate says no more Sean or CBS. Nope, no, they are both out. All right, for Phil Monex, JC Sherbert, been a great week, all things considered. Um, you know, guys, just just go enjoy the day tomorrow. Um, and, and you know, look, there will be a point. Uh, where the game is still 0-0, so cheer really loud. And, and remember, there's recruits um, in the stands, and uh, uh, the University of South Carolina is going to be showcased. Uh, so just, uh, you know, just uh, rock and roll. Remember that. Remember that. And, and also remember that brighter days are probably ahead, um, hopefully. All right, for Phil, this is JC. Talk to you soon. <laughs>